0: Hello there and welcome, I'm Cleanna Anloon, producer of the RTE Radio 1 Davis Now Lectures. The series entitled Engaging Spaces was first broadcast in 2002 and it explores the nature of space in our lives, how we occupy space and are engaged by it. Here from that series is the lecture Change and Renewal in Issues of Place, Identity and the Local which looks at the emergence of a re-evaluation of and engagement with the local. The lecturer is Irish geographer Patrick Duffy. In
1: 1936, my father was at 77 dances in his home parish in Monaghan. Some were impromptu dances in our house when neighbours came in or cousins came home in the summertime. They were mainly house dances held in kitchens or outbuildings with a smattering held in local parish halls. My father's diaries chronicled the unfolding daily life of the local community and the intensity of life at local level from his perspective as a young man in the 1930s and 40s. This was a world of walking and talking, cycling, visiting, church-going, football meetings, dances, people working in fields and farms and bogs, all within a fairly limited range in the parish. There were important local linkages with the outside, fair days, football matches and the pictures in Castleblaney, which were accessed by bike, bus or hackney car. Further afield, there was the train station to Dublin or Belfast. It was a world where the intensity of local life was in striking contrast with today. Now, the orbit of activity is much more widely spread out a degree of what we could call delocalization has taken place. The house dance was one measure of the depth of local space and local allegiance and the connections of family and place. Clearly, in situations of such local social life, marriages were strongly localised. In my grandfather's generation, in the early decades of the 20th century, most people in the countryside married within a cluster of townlands in their own parish jump forward a generation or two and as car mobility increased so the marriage distance gradually expanded so that today's national and international marriage and relationship networks reflect linkages with a much wider world anthropologists have long recorded all these indicators of the localness of living reflected in things like the Cayley houses dances, the joins or helping out between farms, the station masses, the harvest mehels and so on, which from the 1960s onwards dwindled away to insignificance. Beyond these social manifestations of locality, material life also reflected it. Traditional or vernacular houses, shops and outbuildings, for example, built from local materials of thatch or slate, stone, clay or timber in distinctive local idioms, were another measure of localness, which contrasts with today's standardised bungalows and lawns and hedges. Patrick Kavanagh was the great apologist for the local, and his poem, Epic, is its celebration. Important places, he insisted, were local. I have lived in important places, times when great events were decided. Who owned that half a root of rock, and no man's land surrounded by our pitchfork armed claims. I heard the Duffy shouting, damn your soul, and old McCabe, stripped to the waist seam, stepped the plot defying blue cast steel. Here is the march along these iron stones. That was the year of the Munich bother, which was most important. I inclined to lose my faith in Ballyrush and gorchin till Homer's ghost came whispering to my mind, he said, I made the Iliad from such a local row. Gods make their own importance. Cavanagh's celebration of the local was written about 60 years ago. He was ahead of his time in unashamedly and publicly celebrating local places at a time when the city and urban places either here or overseas were the places to be. Ultimately, of course, Kavanagh himself abandoned Ballyrush and Gorchen for Dublin. Ironically, when local life and culture were most vibrant, pressures to change from the inside or the outside were increasing rapidly. Urbanisation was impinging from the outside, emigration was hemorrhaging from the inside and local communities themselves were uninterested, indeed ashamed, of any label of localness, which often meant backwardness, except for Kavanagh, perhaps. I'd like to engage with the idea of the local in two ways. Firstly, I look at the meaning of the local through ideas about a sense of place, identity and belonging, memory and home, These local spaces are placeful instead of some localities which are rootless and placeless. Secondly, I want to examine how this meaning of the local is translated through a territorial template of material places. Here, I'll be looking essentially at local spaces as landscapes of fields and farms, roads and houses, townlands and parishes, and indeed at streets and neighbourhoods named and claimed by local communities to make sense to them. We can summarise some meanings of the local in terms that are familiar to many. Ferdinand Brodel puts it very simply and elegantly when he says, to have somewhere to live is to begin to exist. The local can often be our first place, a place of first memories and first lessons in the importance of space and place. Memory links with place. Here I grew up, there I went to school, there my family or parents are buried. You could say that growing into adulthood is like climbing a hierarchy of ever more distant locations and places. Our earliest memories are of learning our first practical exercises, if you like, in scale, location, distance. Seamus Heaney has graphically described this place-anchored experience being embedded in our memory. He writes, The rooms where we come to consciousness, the cupboards we open as toddlers, the shelves we climb up to, the secret spots we come upon in our earliest solitudes out of doors the haunts of our first explorations in outbuildings and fields at the verge of our security. At such moments we have our first inklings of pastness and find our physical surroundings invested with a wider and deeper dimension. Heaney's is a very particular rendition of the power of place, especially local place in our lives, expressing a kind of organic link between people and place, growing up and into their places. The local is also about community, where everybody knows your name, where you have identity, home, where kin relations are important. Traditionally, there was a high level of familiarity with topographies of place and people. Both were known intimately. Place names and nicknames were reflections of this. This is the place of belonging, Take me home, country roads, to the place I belong, as John Denver sang. In this way, landscape becomes place through interaction with the community, helping it acquire a depth of social meaning, helping to embed it in the community's consciousness and memory. And homesickness and nostalgia are often associated with leaving such well-known places. As Carson McCullers said, To know who you are, you have to have a place to come from. It can also be about roots and continuity. For example, being born in the same room as my father and grandfather. This is a particularly common reminiscence of people born in the Irish countryside in the first half of the 20th century. In these cases, past time is important. Memories are handed down in places and landscapes shared with foreparents. Familiar lives have passed through these landscapes, indeed have helped to build, plant, to make and shape them. And so, local place is deeply territorial. It's about material, physical space, where activity space, for example, is most intense. This is the space that we travel up and down, back and forth every day, A space where the tangible form and texture of landscape, like houses and buildings, fields and road networks, are most familiar, most intimately named and known. This primacy of the material landscape is best seen in people's search for roots, for family identity, in a physical place. A common quest, for example, by visiting Americans in Ireland wanting to see where their foreparents came from. Sunday Miscellany, a couple of years ago, described a journey which two brothers from Manchester made to visit the village their grandmother had left in Romania at the beginning of the 20th century. They had grown up with their father's story about the long journey across Europe and the place he left behind as a small child. It was the way they described their return to Romania that brought home to me the significance of local landscape in our lives. The two brothers discovered their identity when they saw their grandfather's grave, the village with its unpaved streets, the railway where their grandmother had started her journey, the houses and villages on the roadside, the fields where she had worked almost a century before, all physical dimensions of this revisited landscape. It was as if they were being introduced to their long-lost relatives who had occupied, lived in, and moved through this place. Touching the stones, the walls, the furniture of ancestral landscapes becomes an emotional experience that seems almost akin to people meeting their birth mother for the first time. Now I want to look at how we translate local spaces into places. We can talk about a hierarchy of places in the countryside from field and farm to townland and parish nestling around small towns up to the county and beyond. We can think of it as a sort of lattice of places, which is part of the vocabulary of the local landscape. Just as a text of a book can't be read until you know the words, so the townland and parish are part of the vocabulary for knowing the local countryside. How could we survive in this countryside, let alone understand where we live, if it didn't have townlands, parishes, counties, not to mention fields and farms and road networks. Agents of localization work through this territorial lattice. Postal addresses, for instance, are by townland. There are more than 60,000 townlands in Ireland. There are 1,800 in Monaghan, 1,500 in Armagh and so on. A vast and complex geometry of little local places. The post office and the postperson represent important agents of local social integration. The postman on his bicycle used to be a daily presence linking every household in the community. In 1936 he was even delivering the mail on Christmas Day. Today's deliveries are more impersonally made by van over more extensive postal districts. Current proposals to close local post offices in the interests of efficiency are rightly seen as hitting at the very heart of locality. The post office is regarded as the vital link between the local and the national. The church operates through the townland parish framework. In the 1930s, the Catholic Church played a fundamental role in cementing the local community with a multiplicity of well-attended services through the year. Benedictions, holy hours, novenas, devotions, stations of the cross, etc., and daily and Sunday masses where lists of names of people and townlands were read out as familiar badges of identity, especially invoked at funeral offerings and quarterly collections of monies for the parish. The modern decline in church going must have an important ramification for the meaning of locality in this sense. Fair days and markets in towns were the traditional meeting places of localities engaging with the outside world of dealers, buyers and sellers. Towns play an even more important role today of course in the social and economic life of the local places surrounding them. But the primary template of locality in the Irish countryside must be the farm and field. Even though the numbers of farms and farmers are rapidly reducing The reality is that almost all of the space of rural areas is still owned by farmers and their farms are subdivided into the most familiar feature of the local landscape, the tens of thousands of fields. The look, shape and texture of local places are very much a product of fields and their hedges, walls and fences. All the changes taking place in rural housing today all the growth in non-locals or blow-ins in rural populations are happening within the landscape spaces of farms and fields. An important measure of localness must be the ways in which local places were and are named intimately and in great detail by their occupants. This process applied equally to city areas though here street naming was usually the prerogative of developers or local authorities. Children in city neighbourhoods, for instance, were adept at naming the minute local spaces where they played. Such informal local naming practices were an expression of the closeness of links between people and place at the local level. Apart from the 60,000-plus townland names, There are tens of thousands of minor names in the countryside, many of which are now slipping out of local memory. Probably the most universal process was the naming of fields by farm families, often labelling the landscape by its location vis-à-vis each farmhouse or farm. So, for example, in County Meath we have the far field, the top field, the bottoms, or we find them named by local qualities like the furry field, the well field, the brick field, the three-cornered field, the 16 acres, and so on. In parts of County Mayo, many are in Irish, like Gary War, Gary Iachtar, Lugna Mishcon, Park and Tubber, etc. We can see field names, perhaps, as representing a key to reading and understanding a very local world, which, like the houses and yards of local areas, are part of private-familial stroke familial space which is inaccessible to outsiders, where the shape and aspect and size and individuality of the fields are identified at this grassroots spatial level. The question is, how many of these expressions of locality are still valid? How relevant are they for many of us and for many places today? How have they been altered? To what extent have we been delocalized? One of the easiest ways to understand the significance of locality and place and its importance for identity is to contrast today with how things were a couple of generations ago. Looking back helps to provide a kind of benchmark against which to measure the nature of change and the meaning of something like local place and identity today. In what ways has the organic connection with place and locality decreased over the decades. The widespread housing in rural areas today, nearly half of all new houses, for example, are being built in the countryside, would seem to indicate living, thriving localities, hustling and bustling with people. But how many today in such local areas have a local allegiance or a local commitment? My father's daily journey to the school where he taught was by bike in the 1930s. During severe winter weather, he came, in his own words, straight home. But during the spring and summer months, his return journey frequently took a longer and more roundabout route, calling into houses, or more important, meeting people on the road and stopping for a chat. In fact, it was very much a pedestrian world, as it had been for centuries, where the scale of community was defined by walking distance, shanks' mirror where meeting and talking were an important part of the connectedness of the local, a characteristic which was broken by car and later by television. The car and television isolated people in their local spaces. Today, at the other extreme in time and space, we can see how the motorway landscapes cut through or sweep across the grain of the local where instead of walking or cycling or driving in and around local spaces we are swept by and over them. Now there is disconnection from local spaces, unrecognised places on sequences of signposts as we hurtle past. So we could ask, are local places important anymore? Do they matter today? What we can call our activity space is much larger than it ever was. The huge rise in car ownership means that people now range over longer distances to work, to shop, to play, well beyond local horizons. And local commitment to place is more elusive and ambiguous. Some have referred to a process of delocalization taking place where there is a clear disconnection from locality. The internet and multiple television channels, for example, would seem to have made the world dominantly global, thereby eclipsing the local. One reflection of this may be the way the American soaps are leading to a global convergence of cultures, reflected in a universalizing of values and perhaps mores as well. And at a more superficial level, it may also be leading towards a smoothing of regional accents among the young, Or look at the way modern rock music's international icons unite young people everywhere. More and more people may now also identify with non-existent places and spaces, like virtual communities in cyberspace, which override all boundaries of locality and render the local irrelevant. And can we talk of local areas in Ireland, like parts of the US, which are placeless? There are no doubt suburban landscapes where rapid changes have taken place, where there is no connection with the landscape by its inhabitants. There are places have little meaning, no memories, no name even, where a sort of landscape amnesia prevails. Perhaps there are examples of this too in many rural landscapes in Ireland, which have been depopulated and abandoned and which have reverted to wilderness, haunted by the slumbering ghosts of people who once lived and loved there. In the West there are such lost landscapes, lost fields among the winds and heather and lazy beds of the mountains. Even at this most local level in the hierarchy of places in Ireland, changing farm practices have reduced the knowledge of local space. Tractored agriculture has little use for field names bestowed when these local spaces were ploughed and harvested for hours and days on end with horse or spade. Rural work patterns have changed relationships between people and their locality. As Michael Viney has observed in West Mayo, flocks of sheep that 20 years ago were driven past the gate by a man and a dog now proceed routinely ahead of the farmer's car, the dog on occasion riding in the passenger seat. The end of manual turf cutting has cancelled a whole seasonal procession between the townlands and the bog. So it would seem there is a much reduced connectedness today with the landscape of farms and fields and laneways. But perhaps associations with local space are more complex today There is still a need for grounded placeness. We still have to belong somewhere. Is it just that the kind of belonging may be different now? It does seem that we are now seeing a turnaround and a resurgence of interest in the diversity and the particularity of the local, the ordinary, the everyday and the homely in terms of living space. The writer Dermot Healy said recently, now places and dialects are opening out again to the world. So maybe we are seeing a relocalization taking place. This turnaround is reflected in local studies and history courses, in rising interest in local landscapes, as reflected in the best selling Atlas of the Irish Rural Landscape, which was published in 1997, and also the evident rise in local heritage tourism. Ironically, The outsider or tourist gaze may have stimulated a response by locals that has begun to redefine their relationship with their locality. Many townlands in West Mayo and Connemara now have their names prominently displayed on carved stones by the roadside, a pride in place that has been energised by tourism and an interest in heritage. And a contrast to 50 or more years ago when townlands and intimate countrysides were hidden places known only to locals. So, interest in local landscape is emerging almost as an antidote to the placelessness and facelessness of global culture. Local cultural differences that are founded in local experiences are now increasingly prized. There is a new awareness of the value of the inherited artefacts and landscapes which surround us. No doubt commercial tourism, which has put commodity value on everything, has now commodified heritage as well as the local culture and the local landscape. And the EU now actively supports the maintenance of cultural diversity as it is reflected, for example, in local landscapes and places. The implementation of the Rural Environment Protection Scheme throughout the country ...may be a validation of changing popular attitudes to local landscapes and places. One reflection of the continuing importance of the local has been the enduring popularity of the GAA. Indeed, the GAA from its beginnings attached its organisational structures to the architecture of parishes, townlands and counties... ...and probably helped to preserve and promote a local sense of place over the decades... Many of today's Gaelic sports clubs are using the World Wide Web to consolidate their local allegiances beyond the bounds of their localities. Local radio in the past ten years has also been one of the most significant agents of local identity and local renewal. Ironically, the wireless, which in the 1930s, 40s and 50s helped to open up localities to the national world beyond their horizons, is now helping through local stations to nurture local identities. Local advertising, news and information, including funeral arrangements, a lasting mark of local commitment, music and requests have significant listener allegiances. Local newspapers, too, have consolidated their position as badges of identity. Many are now on the web, so that Mayo people in Chicago or downtown San Francisco, for example, can drop into the Mayo news and keep up with local life back home. We've probably then come full circle through all the big changes. We've probably seen a reaction against the placelessness of the global and a search for the connectedness of the local. And local cultures are taking what they find useful in the outside world, like modern technology, and using it to further their own ends. It's no coincidence that the National Museum of Country Life opened last year in Castlebar, presenting the work of decades of collecting by the Folklore Commission and Folklore Department of University College Dublin. It's entirely appropriate that it should open at a time when the local life it recorded has slipped away, but when interest in locality has been revived and renewed.
0: That was Irish geographer Patrick Duffy of Maynooth University and his lecture Change and Renewal in Issues of Place, Identity and the Local from the 2002 RTE Radio 1 Thomas Davis Lecture Series Engaging Spaces. For more information go to the Davis Now Lectures website on rte.ie forward slash radio one forward slash Davis Now Lectures. Further Davis Now Lectures can be found wherever you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe to a weekly Davis Now Lectures podcast. The series can be contacted on davisnowlectures at rte.ie. From me, producer Cleon and Ian Loon, thank you for listening.